0: God bless you today. Thank you for watching our broadcast. I do want to take just a moment. I want to say thank you uh, during this time of crisis, uh, Pastor Brian, our praise team, uh, to our musicians, to our staff, everyone that has been a part of keeping the operation rolling, making sure we have great worship on Sundays. So today, as you're watching, you should give them some love for what they have done. I honor them today and helping to make all this possible. Today, as you know, is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is a great day. We are celebrating Jesus Christ today. It's all about Him. Uh, The passage that I want to read this morning is going to come from John chapter 12. And I want to begin with verse 31. The title of my sermon today is simply, When I am lifted up. And I'm not speaking of myself or anybody else. I'm speaking of Jesus Christ. When I am lifted up. John chapter 12 and verse 31 says this, Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Thank the Lord. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people or all men, women, boys, girls, children, to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. It was on the south coast of China, on a hill that was overlooking the harbor of Macau. Portuguese soldiers once built a great cathedral there. However, a typhoon, what we would know as a hurricane, would come and literally destroy this cathedral. It would leave it in ruins. A matter of fact, the only thing that survived that tycoon was the front wall of that church or that synagogue. And the Portuguese would go in there, the settlers, and they would get a bronze cross. And they would take that bronze cross and they would place it at the peak, the highest peak on the front wall. And they would hang that cross and it overlooked the harbor. As years went by in the year 1825, Sir John Bowring was shipwrecked near this site. Clinging to the wreckage of his ship and anything that he could grab trying to survive the wreck that he had just experienced. According to his story, he said that he looked up towards the harbor, and when he looked up, all that he could see was that great cross that was on top of that old synagogue. And whenever he looked at it, he said, oh my, the cross, and it gave him hope, it gave him courage, that if he could just make it to the cross, that everything was going to be all right He said that after he was rescued by the cross, it inspired him to write the words of a hymn that many of you may have heard. And I quote, In the cross of Christ I glory, towering over the wrecks of time, all the light of sacred story gathers round its head sublime. He wrote those words in light of the cross that had saved his life. Now today as we celebrate Palm Sunday, you... You'll recall with me in John chapter 12, as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem during the triumphal entry, he had one thing on his mind. That one thing was not necessarily what he wanted, what his flesh desired, but the one thing that he had on his mind, even during the triumphal entry, was the cross that he would have to face. You recall the story, it's in John twelve thirteen. they took palm branches. We celebrate this every year. Oftentimes, we may even use palm branches during services. They took the palm branches and went out to meet him. They are waving them. They are shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. They are waving their palm branches, singing Hosanna. But through all of the praise and all of the loud noise and the Hosannas, Jesus Christ only had one thing on his mind. Do you know what that was? It was the cross that he would have to face. As people are waving their palm branches of praise. and. They're dreaming of a kingdom of God That is going to come to earth a matter of fact When we read in history And we read our Bibles We find that the kind of kingdom That Israel thought they needed Was for Jesus to come And overthrow the Roman Empire However God had different plans Jesus was not raising up A military team He was raising up a kingdom That was from above Hallelujah That would infiltrate this world As they're sitting here Dreaming of this kingdom of God He only had has one thing on his mind, nothing else. It is the cross that he must face. It is after that dramatic sense of praise that has went on in the streets of Jerusalem. That the disciples tell Jesus that some of the Greeks have been looking for him. They've heard of his power. They've heard of the authority that he has. They've heard of the prominence that he has gained. That some are even calling him a king. Whenever he replies to them in John, he tells them. And I won't read it for time's sake. But in verse 24 through 32 of the same chapter of our text. He begins to tell them of the cross that he is going to have to face. Making them understand that it was not about Him at this moment and the praises going on. It was about what was about to happen. They had no idea what He meant, but they were about to learn what this cross would look like. They would have never dreamed that their King would die in such a way. They would never dream that their Savior, the one that... that, See, Hosanna means save us all. And see, when they were saying Hosanna, they are crying for Jesus to save them. To them, the cross, is not the answer we now we know with the whole word of God that we have access to we now know about that cross and why Jesus had to die on that cross and I'm going to show you that today but at the time the Jews did not understand why Jesus had to die on this cross what a fascinating way for Jesus to speak of his cross he did not talk about it in in a sense of that he would just that he would go to this cross and that, that because of this cross he would suffer defeat he didn't talk about this cross from from a sense of agony or from a sense of despair but he says that i am going to be lifted up. Now now I want you to understand not only does this lifted up mean that that Jesus was going to be praised or exalted but lifted up also means that he would be lifted up on a cross trying to let his disciples and all the world know that he was going to have to die. Jesus doesn't say when I am crucified. He doesn't say when I die for the sins of the world. He doesn't say when I suffer or when I die. He says it this way. He says when I am lifted up. in other words, through this cross, there is going to be glory that is going to be given to Jesus Christ and to God and the kingdom of the Lord. Now, 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 watch with me three simple points today. He says, when I am exalted, I am going to bring all men to me. When I am lifted up, when I am glorified, when I am praised, I will draw all men to where I am what a triumphant view of the cross. Can I tell somebody when we look at the cross the cross is not a place of defeat. The cross is a place of victory and leading up to Easter when we're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord we have to look the week before Easter Sunday and we have to understand what our God did for us what Jesus did on that cross. It is so important but the view of the cross is one of victory Victory, folks, victory was won on Calvary's Hill. And there's three points today that I would like to make. The first point is simply this: the purpose of the cross. Why is the cross necessary? Jesus' ultimate purpose in life was the cross. All through his life, he knew that it was meant for him to go there. A matter of fact, we can read from the beginning the cross was predestined by God for Jesus Christ. When Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, he says, For you know, It is not with perishable things such as mere silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty life that you once lived, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot or defect. He was chosen. Before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last time for your sake. Now what Peter is trying to get us to know is that Jesus Christ was from the beginning of the foundation of the world. When everything was being laid, God had already predestined that one day his son was going to be the only hope For the world. How many of you today are thankful for Jesus Christ? Can I say to somebody today that He is still the only hope for the world? We can look to governors, to Washington, to our presidents, we can look to pastors and spiritual leaders, and yes, we may be able to help during times of crisis, but the only hope for this world today, true hope, is found in Jesus Christ for this reason. He came into the world and the Bible shows us, according to Peter, he says that the reason that God sent Jesus to the world and the reason, the purpose for the cross was for your sake. Can I say to somebody today that's watching or listening to this service, can I say to you today that the purpose of the cross was you? Can I tell you today and reiterate that? I want you to grab that. That if Jesus Christ would have came to this world and you would have been the only person to save. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus Christ would have died just for me if I were the only one. The purpose of the cross was for us to be Saved. I don't know about you today, but I want to praise God on this Palm Sunday. I want to give God glory on this Palm Sunday. I want to praise Him today that He was willing to drink that bitter cup so that I could be saved. Amen. The purpose of the cross. The cross was Jesus' main uh, mission. A matter of fact, the Bible tells us in John chapter 3 and verse 14, He says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. You recall the story in the days of Israel, whenever they were getting sick and, and the snakes were biting them. And you remember that a brazen serpent, much like our brazen cross in the beginning of this sermon, Moses would make that brazen serpent and whenever they looked at that brazen serpent they were saved and God would heal them of their illness can I say to you today according to John he tells us that just as Moses lifted up that snake uh, that snake reminding his people of this and how God saved them through that snake he says the same way that you are going to be saved Jews is when Jesus Christ is lifted up on a cross and highly exalted my God in Mark chapter 10 for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many that means that when I owed a debt that I could not pay the only way that it could be paid as Peter told us it was not with mere gold and silver all oh, the money of the world folks Cannot buy salvation. All the money in the world cannot buy the peace of God that passes all understanding that keeps us from day to day. And especially in times like these, uh, you can take your billions and you could throw them at God. You could throw your billions at the church and say, here goes a special offering. And God will not accept that offering. All that He receives is an offering of, of a contrite spirit that comes before Him and says, God, I am a sinner. It is not with mere gold and silver that this is bought. It is through the cross of Jesus Christ and through the shed blood of a Savior that we are able to be saved. Somebody ought to say amen wherever you are right now. It's in John chapter 19 and verse 10. And I was reading this just the other day in my Bible time. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Now, 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 notice the wording here. He says, don't you realize I have power to either free you or to crucify you? Pilate says, in in essence, Pilate tells Jesus, your sentence, all right, your future is in my hand. Look at what Jesus says to him. He, He answered and said, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. He wanted him to understand unless God allowed this from the foundation of the world to happen, you are not the one, Pilate, that has the power to do this. a matter of fact, there is in one place where he says in another of the gospel, he said, there's nobody that has the power to take my life. He says, only I have the power to allow this to happen. God has the power to allow this to happen. And he says, I also have the power to raise it up again. Speaking of what we'll celebrate this coming Sunday, Easter Sunday morning, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot do it, Pilate. You don't have the power. Why? Because the cross was Jesus' main mission. There is no person that could stop it. There was no devil that could stop it. If the devil could have stopped it, he would have stopped it. He didn't want this world to go to heaven. He wanted us all to die and go to hell. But thanks be to God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, He's made it possible. The purpose of the cross was for me and you to be saved. There's nobody that can stop that. There's no devil that can stop that. As a matter of fact, I want you to notice with me, the Bible teaches us, Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 26, Jesus could have summoned more than 12 legions of angels. Now, when you begin to read, you'll find that a Roman legion had 6,000 soldiers in it. That is 72,000 angels, which means that God was saying I could give every one of my disciples 6,000 angels to surround them. And can I just add, I thank God that the Bible said that his children are surrounded by angels. Can I just tell somebody according to Psalm, he said that the angels of the Lord encamp around about them that trust in him. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I could do this. But he didn't do it, folks. Why didn't Jesus take advantage of the angels? Why didn't he take advantage of such an opportunity to call down these legions, these 12 legions of angels from above to save him and rescue him from the cross? Matthew 26 shows us, he says to Peter, put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my Father? And He will at once, that means immediately, put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels. But notice the next part. He said, but how then would the Scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? God cannot lie. The word never returns void. This word has always stood true. And he says to his disciples, sure, I could call the angels down, sure. I could let this bitter cup pass from me. But because I love you so much, and because I love this world that's dying and going to hell, because I love them so much, I'm not going to call down these angels so that the scripture may be be fulfilled what is the scripture for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever will believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life how many of you today are thankful for Jesus Christ the purpose of the cross was me and you secondly we go on not only do we see the purpose of the cross today But furthermore, we see the power of the cross. How many of you know today that the cross is powerful? Now, I want you to think about real quickly with me. Whenever Jesus Christ, and and you'll recall with me that when Jesus died, there were some crazy things that took place, all right, in the earth. A matter of fact, the Bible tells us that Whenever Jesus died, then all of a sudden an earthquake happened. He was going to show people that he was God in the flesh. He wanted everybody to know it. So whenever Jesus died, the Bible says that all of a sudden there is a shaking that is going on in the world. There's a shaking like nobody's ever seen. It's a shaking like nobody's ever known. And the earthquake does something very, very special. It literally tears the veil. Now, for many of you, you may not understand what the veil is, and you're trying to say, well, what does this have to do with me? I'm going to tell you what it has to do with you. The veil simply represents, and in the Old Testament, you'll recall, the priest would go in, and he would hide behind that veil. The people could not come beyond that point, because only the priest could enter into the Holy of Holies. Nobody else is allowed there, but let me show you what God says. God says, I am going to tear that veil. And when I tear that veil, there's something very, very special that is going to happen for you. What I am saying is that the relationship between God and man that has been severed, the relationship between God and man to where man cannot get to God except through a priest, except through a preacher, except through somebody confessing their sins for them, he says, all of a sudden, when this earthquake takes place, I'm going to show you the power of the cross. He said, I am going to rip that veil from the top to the bottom. And when I do that, it is at that moment that every man, woman, boy and girl, listen, that's why I don't have to go to a priest and confess my sins. That's why I don't have to go to a preacher and say, hey preacher, I've sinned. Can I be forgiven for that? I don't have to do that today. Do you understand why? The reason I don't have to do that is because the veil was broken. The power of the cross broke that veil. And now God said, let us therefore boldly come into the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and obtain grace for every time of need that we have. The veil is torn. It is at the moment... That Jesus says it is finished. That literally the Bible said that graves were opened. People, dead people, dead people started walking around the city of Jerusalem. Paul speaks to us of the power of the cross. He says the messageness, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us that are being saved, he said the cross is the power of God, listen, when Paul spoke of the cross, he did not speak of it in weakness. He did not speak of it in defeat. He spoke of it with power and authority. Because let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus died and whenever that earthquake hit, not only did it shake the earth, but it shook all of hell beneath. And every devil in hell and Satan himself was trembling when that earthquake went on. They're like, what in the world's going on? What in the world happened? Jesus Christ had ripped that veil. The power of the cross had prevailed over sin. Can I tell you, sin was judged and forgiven at that moment. For in Colossians, he said, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive in Jesus Christ. He forgave us of all of our sins. He canceled the charge of our indebtedness, which stood against us and it condemned us. He said, He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Ladies and gentlemen can I say to somebody today I don't care what you're bound by I don't care if you're bound by drugs the power of the cross is available to you today. I don't care if you're bound by alcohol. Can I tell you that the power of the cross is able to break the chains of sin that have you bound. There is nothing that you have in your life. I don't care if you're struggling with pornography somebody out there and you say man I just have an addiction. Let me tell you today. Don't try to break it yourself. You don't have the power to do it I would say to you today call on Jesus Christ the cross has already given you the power and authority over that sin nail it to the cross give it to Jesus Christ believe in his shed blood your sins have been forgiven he's got the power to get sin out of your life he can run it off it's in 2 Corinthians five twenty-one, and I love this scripture it says God made him who had no sin To be sin for us. So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. I don't know about you today. But I want to thank God. I want to praise God right now. Because I understand. When Jesus Christ came to this earth ladies and gentlemen. There was no sin in Him. Everything about Him was perfect. Everything He said. Everything He did. Everywhere He went. The Bible said that the religious leaders tried to find fault in him. They tried to catch him in a lie. They tried to find him doing something wrong that was against Moses' law. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to catch him in his words. But no matter how hard they tried, there was no sin in him. The Bible said there's no guile in him. He was perfect in every way which made him the perfect sacrifice. So it says that God made him sin for us. Now there's people today that are watching. You understand what sin is. As a matter of fact. There's many of us that at some time or another. We struggle with sin. It's going to happen. You're flesh. But you need to understand. Any sin that you would ever commit. Anything you would ever do that was wrong. Jesus Christ. I want you to grab this. This is the power of the cross. My God thank you Jesus. I feel the Holy Spirit. The power of the cross. Jesus that, 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 that is, is Palm Sunday. People are praising him. People have got their branches. They're waving them. They're laying down saying, Blessed is he. It comes in the name of the Lord. If anybody's worthy of our praise, you are Jesus. But Jesus is riding on that donkey, and he can't even enjoy the praise. He can't even enjoy the exaltation of his name because the whole time he feels my sins on his shoulders. He feels the sins of everyone watching this program today. They were on His shoulders. Everything that everybody in the world would ever do, billions and billions of people would ever do, they were on the shoulders of Jesus Christ that day. He bore them to the cross and He became sin for us so that now we could be justified and be made righteous or right with God because of what Jesus did Man, that's exciting. Praise your name, Lord, for dying on Calvary's hill for my sins. You ought to praise God right now. You ought to give God glory. Man, to think that He would love me so much. Secondly, under the power of the cross here, not only is sin judged and forgiven, but Satan's power over humanity was broken at that moment. I love this. Satan that had man bound had man in the palm of his hand the bible says in john 12:31 i love it He told his disciples, now is the time judgment has come to the world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. I'm going to drive sin out of your life. I'm going to drive Satan out. He's no longer going to hold it. a matter of fact, in Revelation 1.17, John fell at his feet as dead, but he touched me with his right hand and said, Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, but now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and hell. In my hand. Jesus Christ took power over Satan. Satan's power over humanity was broken. Thank God for the power of the cross that can change your life today. If you have burdens of sin on you, I want you before this broadcast is over, I want you to say, Jesus, take every sin I've ever committed. Take it from me. Jesus can do it for you today. Satan doesn't have power over you anymore. You now belong to Jesus Christ because of what happened that day at Calvary we have the purpose of the cross the power of the cross in closing we have the praise of the cross the honor the glory the magnifying the exaltation Jesus spoke of his cross as a sense of can I say it this way he spoke of it as his honor Now, when you use honor, it is a word that would be used as an achievement. It was as if we were to give somebody a trophy. It was as if we were to tell somebody that we were going to pin a special pin on them. I watched the president several weeks back with Rush Limbaugh as he gave him the honor of the president's medal. And it was put around his neck. What an honor. What an honor. That's what we say. We use that term many times. It is odd, but when Jesus spoke about the cross, He spoke as it was His honor. In a sense that because of this cross, my God, He would be lifted up My God, and when he was lifted up, he would draw all people unto himself. In other words, he was going to be praised. And here today, even though we may not have people in a physical building, and here today, even though you will not be able to hear the praises and exaltation from a crowd, you won't be able to hear hand claps. As people give God a hand clap of praise. But can I tell you today. I believe everyone watching that has experienced. The blood of Jesus and the forgiveness of the cross. I believe everyone today would agree with me. That the cross is Jesus' highest honor. And if anybody deserves it. Jesus Christ deserves it. If anybody deserves to be praised today. Jesus deserves to be praised. If anybody deserves to be exalted. Then Jesus. Jesus deserves to be exalted. Why was the cross such a glory, such an honor for Jesus, such a praise worthy experience for Jesus? Because God said it was because of the cross that God had highly exalted him, lifted him up, and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't know about you but I praise Jesus today for the cross I praise Jesus today for what he did for me so truly today the cross was his highest glory what what the world viewed as Christ's lowest moment from heaven's point of view it is the highest point of all it is the highest glory it is the highest praise. His glory was the cross. Jesus replies in John twelve twenty three. He said, the hour has come when the Son of Man will be glorified or praised. Whenever Jesus wore that crown of thorns, he wore it with honor. Today I'm moved in my spirit by what Jesus did for me. I begin to think this week as as we look at Holy Week and we begin to think of our Savior today. And we think about all that He's done for us. And in a time like this when we're unable to gather in physical locations may we exalt the name of Jesus from afar. May we worship Him even though we're at a distance. Can you give God glory right now? Can you give Jesus praise right now? Because can can you just picture? They put a crown of thorns on his head. They pushed it down into his brow. But it was at that moment that he wore it with honor. Whenever Doubting Thomas did not believe, the Bible said that Jesus called him in and said, Thomas, put your finger here. Do you see my hands? Reach your hand in the, my hands. Would you, would you put your hand in my side? Stop doubting and start believing. He showed Thomas the nail prints in his hand and his feet. It was a lasting testimony to all of the doubters. All who say, show me your existence. To all who say, show me your love. Can I tell you today that Jesus Christ wants to do that for you? He wants you to believe in him as the Lord. and Savior. Listen to me folks. I hope that God everyone watching knows Jesus Christ. If you don't, I would know Him today. I would ask Him into my heart right this very moment because there's coming a day that God said He's going to come back riding on a cloud and a white horse. And when He comes back, this is what the Bible said is going to happen. It said and then those that pierced Him, they're going to look at Him and they're going to behold Him. And they're going to recognize his vesture that's been dipped in blood, that reads on it, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. All the doubters that day are going to see, and they're going to recognize, and they're going to praise this Christ that died on the cross. They're going to see his hands, they're going to see his feet, they're going to see his glory. I close with this our glory, even our glory, is in the cross. Our honor is in the cross. For in Galatians 6, he said, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the way he says this. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. My interest in this world, my flesh, The desires for the things that are temporary. Paul says they have died. They have been crucified because of that cross. No pride. Paul said I don't deserve it. It's because of that cross. No self-righteousness from me. I'm where I am because of that cross. He goes on to tell us it's only by grace through faith that I'm saved to begin with. For God saved you by His grace when you believe. You can't take credit for this. It is the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. No one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. It was around the year 1830. There was a gentleman by the name of George Wilson. He had killed a government employee while robbing a mail place. He was tried. The judge said, you will be sentenced to be hanged. However, the President of the United States, who at the time was Andrew Jackson, decided that he would send a pardon. And as many of you know, the pardon simply means from the President, this man does not have to die. He's to be released. But history tells us that George Wilson did one of the strangest things we'll ever read about in the history books. He refused to accept the pardon. No one seemed to know what to do. They've never had this happen. Who would deny it? So the case was carried to one of perhaps the greatest Chief Justice, Chief Justice John Marshall, perhaps one of the greatest in all of U.S. history. And he writes his opinion. He said it this way. He says a pardon is a slip of paper. The value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person that is to be pardoned. If the pardon is refused, then it is no pardon at all. George Wilson must be hanged. And that's exactly what happened to George Wilson that day. But I thought about that story. And it is spiritually the epitome of the cross of Jesus Christ. That when Jesus died, he signed the pardon. And although I had sinned, although I had done wrong, although I was unworthy, although I was sentenced to death, hell was what I deserved. He gave me that pardon and said, Jimmy Purdue, you don't have to die. I have signed the pardon for you. You can be saved. My mother used to sing, and 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 I'll read this and I'll close, but my mom used to sing a song that was entitled, Jesus Signed My Pardon. The lyrics went, I was in sin's prison, oh so dark and cold. I was like a lost sheep wandering from God's eternal fold. But then the door swung open and he spoke to me. I've signed your pardon, you may now go free. The second verse, since the Savior led me from that awful place, I can hear the angels as they sing, amazing grace. I know I was pardoned from my sin and shame when I joined them singing glory to His name. The third verse, my favorite of all. Life is now worth living since I've been set free. I'm so glad He was willing to save a wretch like me. Now I have a mansion, not a prison wall. Jesus signed my pardon, yes, Jesus Paid it all. The course went, Jesus signed my pardon. This I surely know. He took my place to Calvary. Now I don't have to go. All my life I'll give to Him because He gave His for me when He signed my pardon there at Calvary. I want to tell somebody today that's watching this broadcast as I close. If you don't know Jesus Christ in times like these, I would I would. Right now, right now I would say, Father, take every sin I've ever committed Forgive me for the wrong that I have done I repent of my sin I confess that you are Lord I believe in you I trust in you with all my heart I give you all my life I believe that you are my Savior That you bled and died So that I could be saved I believe you rose from the dead Just like we'll celebrate next week I accept you as my Lord. If you've prayed that prayer today, let me tell you, if you said it with faith, Jesus Christ has come into your heart. Do you feel the freedom that comes with salvation? The purpose of the cross is made. The power of the cross that breaks the veil so we can get to God. And lastly, the praise of the cross. And that's what we're doing today. We're lifting up the name of Jesus for all that He has done. You do not have to die and go to hell. Thank God. Jesus has signed your pardon. He's made a way. When I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. God bless you today.